Now would you please take your Bibles with me and turn to Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Luke chapter 15. Now this morning is going to, you'll have to wake up again, all right? I want you to put your thinking cap on. I want you to put your imagination cap on. And I want you to imagine something with me this morning. You're going to have to think hard, all right? I want you to imagine something that just happened this week, okay? I want you to imagine snow. <laughs> I know. I actually got scolded this morning because of the snow on Monday, okay? Somebody actually said, I am upset at you. Nonetheless, I want you to imagine a dark, snowy night. And you are out on the street, and you're walking around, and off in the distance, you see this one particular house, and the lights are on. And you can see through the window that the lights are on, and for whatever reason, you're just naturally drawn to walk up to this house. And as you walk up to the house, you begin to get closer and closer, and through the window... You can see a family sitting, eating dinner. I mean, there's roasted chicken, carrots, potatoes. I mean, it's beautiful. It's wonderful. There's a whole family sitting there. They're enjoying themselves. They're laughing. They're carrying on. They're having a great time. Things are going so well. They seem like such a happy family. You begin to look at them. You see dad sitting in his spot, mom right next to him, and maybe every once in a while she reaches over and pats him on the arm and just in loving tenderness. This is a loving family, and you begin to look at each of them, and you begin to look at them, and very quickly you can tell their personalities as to how they're reacting and acting. You can see that they're just really interacting well with one another, and you go down through the table. You continue to look in the eyes of the people, and you get two or three down from dad, and there's actually a chair without someone in it. There's no place setting. There's no plates. There's no utensils. You see that, and you think, oh, that's interesting, but you continue to move on, and you look at the next, and you can see their personality, and you look at the next, and you see their personality, and you can just see that this is wonderful, but after every person you look at, for some reason, your attention is always drawn back to that spot that's missing. Your attention's always drawn back, and you try to dismiss it, and you look at the next person, and there's just, my attention keeps coming back. Why is that spot missing? There's no plate again, as I said, but it just seems that that, that spot is missing somewhere. And you've spent well enough time there, right? This is like a little awkward, right? You've spent well enough time, and so you begin to back up. You begin to walk away from the window, and the wind begins to blow on a dark, snowy night. And something catches your attention. It's a paper flapping in the wind, and it's stapled to a pole. As you turn to look at that, you can see it's a missing person poster. You reach up to flatten it out, and immediately you can tell it's a family member of the people who are just having dinner. Looks just like them. Bobby Smith, the caption reads, missing. 
You look at the date and you say, that was yesterday. He's been missing since yesterday? With great anger. Can you imagine the anger filling up? And you rip that sign off the wall and you walk back up to that window. You slam it on the window and you say, hello, your son's missing. Hey, don't you realize your son's missing? You're all sitting in here having a good time and your son is missing. Bang, 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 bang. What's wrong with you? You begin to feel anger rise up in you, and they, they finally you get their attention, and dad comes to the door. Dad walks to the door, calls your attention over. What's going on? Is this your son? Yeah, that's my son. Well, do you know that he's missing? Yes, we know he's missing. Have you looked for him? Well, no. He's just been missing since yesterday. Why aren't you looking for him? Well, it's not really that big of a deal. I've got three other sons and two other daughters. What's the big deal? He's not that important. And just in great disbelief, you begin to almost fall away from this conversation. What in the world? How could they not care? You're dumbfounded. You're perplexed. How could someone be that cold and that heartless when there's a boy out in the streets somewhere snowing, blowing, could be freezing to death? Part of you wants to wring his neck. How dare he? How dare he even call himself a father? Some of you might be thinking this morning that I made that story up. Well, I can assure you that parts of it are made up. But some parts of this story are still true. You see, Bible Baptist Church can very easily be that family that sits in a nice warm house with a wonderful meal, with everything at their disposal. We can be that family. We have so many good things going on here. And quite frankly, we have scores of people here. What's the big deal? We're comfortable. We're happy. But in our comfort, we can easily forget that there are people missing. There are people missing. We easily forget that there are some people in this world that do not know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. We easily forget that there are people that are still on the road to hell. They're lost. And when we're questioned about it, when we say, don't you care, we might even say things like, our church is a good size, we don't really need any more. Our church is at a good spot, we don't really need to do anything about those people. We have lots of people here. We don't need any more. In fact, in essence, what we're saying, those people out there that are lost, they're not that important. We don't really care that much about them. Let me ask you something this morning. How important is a lost soul to you? Let me ask you that again. How valuable or how important is a lost soul to you, to you personally. 
I'm not even saying as a church. I'm asking about you personally. How valuable is a lost soul to you? In our passage today, Jesus deals with this exact thing. Notice with me, Luke chapter 15, and verse 1. The Bible says, Then drew near unto him all the publicans and sinners for to hear him. I love that. They're coming. They want to hear what Jesus has to say. They want to hear his message of deliverance. Look at verse 2. And the Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having an hundred sheep, if he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he find it? When he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. When he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you, that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Listen, I'm pretty sure I know each and every one of you in here enough to know that if you had a child that was lost, you would do everything. Everything in your power, everything in your ability, you would be calling friends, family, you'd ask everybody to come. You wouldn't sit down and eat a meal. You would not sleep until you had found that child. When it comes to religion, we have a natural mindset. So I want to show you, first of all this morning, the innate mindset of the religious. Innate meaning natural. Look with me in verse 2 again. The Bible says this. The Pharisees and scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. It's just a genuine general murmuring. Just a complaining. William Barclay, the commentator, said this. We will understand these parables more fully if we remember that the strict Jews said not, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who repents. But they said this, there will be joy in heaven over one sinner who is obliterated before God. You need to understand something about the Jewish religious people, the Pharisees, the scribes. They were the elite. They were the ones who actually believed that they did not sin. They held to the law so desperately that they believed that they were without sin. They believed they were the religious elite. In fact, they looked down upon every sinner. They looked down upon them and almost to the point where they would beg God to remove them, obliterate them. So the Bible says there's joy in heaven over one sinner that repents. But the Jewish culture at that time was there is joy in heaven when God obliterates a sinner. And quite frankly, let's be honest. It's pretty easy for religious people to think that way. It's pretty easy for us to naturally look down on sinners. 
It's pretty easy for us to naturally look at sinners and say, God, get rid of them. Completely get rid of them. Obliterate them. God, bring judgment down upon them. It's pretty easy for us to do that. In fact, I've been in a situation in my own personal life where a sinner received a great deal of pain and in my heart I rejoiced. Don't look at me like that. I'm not the only one. Listen, it's pretty natural because we think that the judgment of God ought to come on these people. We believe a hurricane ought to come through and wipe these people out. We believe that. We naturally look down on that. Listen, it's natural. It's an innate mindset. It comes natural for us. It's natural for us because... Most of us that sit here in this room have already received the free grace of God. We know Jesus Christ is our personal Savior. We've experienced Jesus Christ. We have freedom. We have victory in Christ. And quite frankly, we're excited about it. But it's easy for us to look down at those people who have not. It's easy for us to look down at those people like, why haven't you? What's your problem? You enjoy sin, and we just almost despise them. In fact, we'll even murmur and complain in a crowd our displeasure of them. Oh, the world this, and oh, the world that, and man, if the world would just get right. What happens is we will cast judgment upon anybody who spends time with them. The innate mindset of the religious is to despise those, or at the very least, forget about those who are not in the fold. Sometimes we are guilty of despising the people outside of this church. Maybe you say, I wouldn't go to that extreme, but at the very least, we just forget about them. We just carry on with our lives as if nothing changed. But here's the wonderful thing about Jesus Christ is he challenges that thought process. Jesus doesn't want us to think naturally. He wants us to think supernaturally. So I want you to see number two, the intentional mindset of the Savior. The intentional mindset of the Savior. Look with me in verse four. The Bible says this, what man of you having an hundred sheep If he lose one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it. Until he find it, excuse me. I want you to notice what the shepherd does. Notice with me what the shepherd does. He leaves. He leaves the ninety and nine. And you know where he leaves them? Leaves them in the wilderness. Out in the wild. But guess what? They're all together. Safety in number. He leaves them in the wilderness. And guess what he does? He goes after the lost. I want you to to pay attention to this. He is not content with 99. He's not content. Oh, man, do you know how easy it would be just to say, well, that one's lost. No big deal. I know farmers. Farmers. Chicken farmers and pig farmers, and they're big operations. Big operations. I know 
And you know what? They will walk through and there's piglets and chickens that just aren't cutting it, so to speak. And they weed them out. They throw them out. They're not making them any money. Listen, it's easy for us to think like that. Well, no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. But we're talking about people's souls here. We're talking about the lives, the eternal lives of people. And listen, one person is worth it. One person is worth going out for. Listen, there might be somebody that's sitting here today that might be just the Lord's beginning to pull on their heartstrings. Listen, there is a world out there that needs to know Jesus Christ. Maybe God's pulling on your heart to leave this place and go to another to start something. Maybe like a missionary. Maybe like going to Africa. Maybe like going to Guyana or the Philippines or to Greenland or to Ireland or some other place where you say, listen, there's a bunch of people outside of the walls of this flock that need Jesus Christ. And I'm going to intentionally go. It's easy for us to sit here. It's easy for us to stay in our comfortable seats and just relax and enjoy but there is one that is lost one hear me one is worth it one is worth the time and the effort one is worth the inconvenience one is worth the aggravation and sometimes people can be aggravating one is worth missing some meals one is worth the frustration. One is worth getting up early. One is worth going to bed or not going to bed late. One is worth the pain and the agony of trying to find one. One. It's worth one. Notice that the shepherd goes after the one. Look at the end of the last four words. Until he find it. He's willing to go after the one until he find it. He's not going sauntering out there looking for an hour. He's not going necessarily even for a full day. It might be overnight. It might be two days. It might be three days. Don't miss this. He spends as much time as necessary until the one is found. Till the one is found. Notice with me verse 5. And when he hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he cometh home, he calleth together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I love, just, just write this down. Intentional rejoicing intentional rejoicing now maybe i just give way too much information about myself but this is the way i think this is the way i think okay it's raining it's windy this dumb sheep gets lost oh brother i gotta go find him again oh 
Where is this stupid sheep? And you begin walking around looking for this sheep, trying to find it. It's windy, it's blowing, it's raining. And you're leaving the other sheep there. And you're walking around. Maybe you find a few tracks and you can kind of see where he's gone, this, that, or the other thing. And finally you see him down a cliff and there he is. Now again, this is just me. You stupid sheep. How do you get yourself in these kind of messes? What the hang is wrong with you? You frustratedly get a rope out, tie it off to a tree, climb down there, do whatever you got to do to get this stinking sheep up. By the time you get them to the top, what do you do? Get going. Right? Am I the only one here? Somebody agree with me or something because I'm feeling awful lonely up here. And it's, it's, you, you kind of herd them back and get going. Come on. Get back to the fold. Not the shepherd. Not the intentional rejoice. Don't miss this. Puts him on his shoulder. He says, I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you're heavy laden, but let me give you rest. Puts him on his shoulders. And, okay, again, all right, I'll put him on my shoulders. Right? You're walking, drudge, right? Not this guy. This shepherd's skipping, rejoicing. He's grinning from ear to ear. He's hooting and hollering. I found him. I found him. I found the sheep. What a rejoicing. He's ecstatic. He's carrying it, rejoicing. And then when he gets home, it's not good enough just to stop and rejoice all the way home. He gets on the horn, I guess. And he... Yells to everybody, hey, come over. Let's rejoice. I found that lost sheep. We got him. He's back in the fold. And they rejoice and they rejoice and they rejoice together. The sheep is found. Verse 7. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one don't miss that word, over one, over one sinner that repenteth. I think sometimes we get this idea that God's rejoicing that we showed up to church today. Listen, I don't think God hates it. <laughs> I think God is pleased with that. And he almost has, you know... Again, if I could just imagine, God, he's got a slight smile on his face, a, a pleased smile. But listen, when one sinner repents, break out the band, boys. Get ready, because we're going to have a party in heaven. Listen, somebody just got saved. Somebody just came. The lost sheep is found. Let's rejoice. One sinner repented. Praise the Lord. One sinner has been found. We often think that heaven rejoices with us, but listen, look at the rest of that verse. There shall be joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repenteth more than over ninety and nine just persons which need no repentance. Let me just simply let you know that this shows the importance of the value of one. 
Let me now challenge you. Who's your one? Who is your one? Who do you know today that needs Jesus Christ? And put yourself in the picture that I tried to paint for you earlier. You have a child that's missing. Who's your one? They're out in the darkness. In the depths of despair and sin. With no way to come home. The only light that they might have is you. Who's your one? Who's your one? Listen, we've probably got around 100 people in here this morning. Who's your one? Who's your one? Who is the one that you would be willing to give up your personal comfort for? Who is it? Let me ask you, will you reach out for that one? Will you step out of your comfort zone for that one? Once again, I want to be very understanding. This doesn't come naturally to us. I wish it did. What comes naturally for us is comfort. What comes naturally to us is lying around enjoying ourselves. But listen, it doesn't come naturally. But when Jesus is living through us, we will push away from the table and get out and go searching for one. That's what the Savior did. It was the intentional mindset of the Savior. The challenge is pretty short and simple this morning. How valuable is a lost soul to you? Is it valuable enough to push away from the table and go searching? Is it valuable enough to stop murmuring and complaining about those who are trying to do something? Is it valuable enough? For you to go and find that one who has not yet heard about Jesus. The theme of Bible Baptist Church this year is to reach out. Reaching out. Will we reach out for one? How valuable is a lost soul? Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you so much. Father, that this one lost soul, the person standing before all these people today, was valuable enough for you to die for. Father, we just celebrated the weekend, last weekend, of your death, burial, and your resurrection. Father, if it was for no one else, you did it just for me, for one person. Father, help us to see the value in one. Help us to name that one. Help us to pray for that one. Help us to uh, trust you for that one. Give us the strength for the one. Give us the words to say to the one. Help us to reach out for one. And Father, if there is one here today who does not know you as personal Savior, 
They've never accepted Christ. They, they, they still feel like they're wandering around. They don't know which direction to turn. Father, would you please help them to know that today is that day. Today is the day that you can find them. They can turn to you. Father, you've already paid the penalty of their sin. Help them to come to you today. Whether they're listening online or whether they're here in this place, Father, please help us to be concerned about the one. We'll give you the honor and praise for it. We pray all these things in your name. I'm going to ask you to keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. I'm going to ask you to make a decision this morning. And I would all, I always challenge you to write it down. Again, maybe you feel led of the Lord. You, you need to come to this altar. You come forward and you need to get down on your knees and pray whatever the Lord will lead you to do. But maybe you would say, I've sat in my comfort zone for too long. And I need to reach out for one. Maybe you say, I've complained for long enough. I, I realize that there's bigger problems and I need to reach out for one. Maybe you say, I don't even know one. Father, would you bring one into my life that I can reach out for one? And again, maybe you sit here today and you say, I am a lost sheep. I feel like I'm wandering around right now. I, I need someone to reach out to me. And I encourage you that Jesus is that someone. He's reaching out to you right now. Jesus wants to save you from your sins won't you come to him? He's calling your name. We would love today to take a Bible and show you how Jesus can save you. You just have to reach out to him. Whatever your decision is this morning, whatever you need to talk to the Lord about, we want to give you some time to do that. We're going to give you that time right now. continue to use Bible Baptists. Father, help us not to get comfortable. Father, thank you for your word that constantly stretches us. Father, I've been challenged again this week. Desperately want to see that one Father, I pray that you would work in our lives, mold us and shape us into the image of your Son. Help us to 
see and intentionally see people as you see them, as lost sheep. Lost sheep who cannot find their way. But Father, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Father, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. Help us. We pray in all these things in Jesus' name.